0: THE WHOLE AND BEAUTY It is a vision neither of truth nor of goodness, but of ideal beauty, which lies at the root of so much Western mysticism. In the celebrated passage of Plato's Symposium, the seeker discovers the earthly manifestations of the beautiful in due succession, till, there bursts upon him that wondrous vision which is the very soul of the beauty he has toiled so long for, The quest for the universal beauty must find him ever mounting the heavenly ladder, until at last it is given to man to gaze upon beauty's very self, unsullied, unalloyed, and to see the heavenly beauty face to face. Later seekers after reality have, on the whole, sadly neglected beauty in their concern for goodness and truth. Stern moral endeavour and strict disciplined thinking are the means by which we hope to climb the heavenly ladder, but in fact they are not enough. By themselves they can and do become solemn, ponderous, dreary. The fact is that none of the values can get very far without the company of the others. Goodness that leaves beauty a long way behind, that is joyless and over-serious, begins to take on an evil look. It is no Philistine prejudice But a sound instinct which prompts popular scorn of the saint who can never smile at himself, of the prophet who never relaxes, of the thinker who takes himself so seriously that he is never in danger of inspired self contradiction. When the spontaneity of the artist, with his childlike genius for play, his lightness of touch, his gaiety, are altogether absent from the life of the spirit, then that life has become a stunted caricature of itself. The true marks of the spirit include freedom, joy, and even a certain abandon and irresponsibility, a fact which Hinduism notably stresses. Of course, Christendom has its St. Francis, its fiestas, and even its medieval All Fool's Day, when religion itself took time off to laugh. But particularly in Northern and Protestant Europe, gloom and virtue have for long been associated. There is as little evidence for the view that the deity is grave as for the view that he is a logic-chopping metaphysician, or a practical manager who must show good reasons for all he does. Common sense can hardly be predicated of him. If the universe about us is any guide at all, he is not less aware of the value of nonsense than, say, Charles Ludwig Dodgson was, He would seem to exercise an imagination so prodigal and so prodigious as to make our careful and cheese-pairing methods look very miserable. For the whole is free. Here is the creativity of the artist carried to the highest pitch of unhampered liberty. God is at least as truly the ideal artist as the ideal inventor, or mathematician, or lover, or father, or legislator, or friend. He plays, and in his magnificent and terrible and lovely cosmic game we join, grudgingly or enthusiastically. We are not likely to know him till we enter into the joyful spirit of the game, taking it seriously enough to do our utmost, but still not so seriously as to forget that it is a game. Beauty, no doubt, is indefinable, but at least this may be said that it involves, into Alia, both richness and wholeness, diversity and unity. And it is the whole which comprehends the maximum of detail in the completest unity. Some works of art fail because of the meagerness of their imaginative content, others because their content is unintegrated. But our experience of the whole, on those occasions when the quality of that experience is most compelling, indicates that these two requirements, of richness and wholeness, are there perfectly met. But there is a third, namely, otherness. Just as my truth is always the truth about another, and my goodness the goodness of another, so my beauty is always the beauty of another. To claim it is to destroy it. Neither can the whole enjoy itself as the whole, but must descend to the nothingness of the centre, disclaiming as subject all that it claims as object. For the whole as the supreme work of art is unconscious, and the whole as the supreme artist has no materials upon which to work. Again, the concrete reality is the whole centre, and that is why, to gain the vision of the eternal beauty. It is necessary to go down to the very foundation of the hierarchy, no less than to mount the heavenly ladder to the apex. Whatever way we look at the whole, we find that it implies this descent to the centre. Let me give three illustrations. 1. It is a condition of living knowledge that it should be periodically unlearned and learned afresh, of genuine goodness that it should never be a matter of mere habit, but should be arrived at anew for each occasion, of beauty that it should be forever recreated and re-enjoyed, as if for the first time. These things will not keep. In other words, the existence or assertion of the value is linked with its non-existence or denial. Truth and goodness and beauty that are only themselves and not also their opposites are not themselves. The realm where the values are perfectly realized is then likely to reflect, or rather to provide the basis for, this fundamental polarity or union of opposites.